Well, as Steve had talked about last week, we're, you know, reading through the Bible. And right now we're reading through the prophets, reading through Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Uh, next week we'll start up in Daniel. And part of it is just uh, very difficult because he's just going through thing after thing after thing that countries and people are being judged for. And it's a good indicator of the types of things that God is looking for. But uh, you, you can rewatch through Steve's uh, sermon to kind of get a feel for what that's like as we read through this as a church and how to sort of gauge what it is that God is doing. Uh, there's, there's one chapter here in Ezekiel that I sort of pulled out where it talks about something uh, really pointing Israel in a time of crisis, a time of need, a time when they have been taken over and uh, they're, he's bringing them back into the land. But he's trying to help them find rest. And he's talking about the rest that is found in the promise of Jesus when he talks about King David. King David isn't alive anymore. He's not talking about David as a person. He's talking about the promise that's associated with David. And it's the promise of Jesus that we've been reading about throughout the entire Bible, uh, going back to Adam and Eve, going back to Abraham and the promises that God gave. And this, is, this idea of rest just saturates the entire Bible that this is what God is giving to us is rest. We wonder, you know, why is it we're so stressed out all the time? There's this problem, that problem that we associate it to, but then as soon as that problem or this problem gets solved, there's just a new problem there. Whenever we work, we feel like, oh, I'm going to be able to rest, and then we take a day off to rest, and it's all work that whole day. We just feel like we're always sort of chasing after this rest, and we know that it's more than just sleep. Oftentimes we'll say, I'm not sleepy tired. It's just my soul is tired. <laughs> There's so much turmoil or this, that. God's saying, in the midst of everything that's happening here in the world, in the midst of everything that's in our lives, rest is there to be found. And we need that rest for ourselves. And sometimes it's a physical rest. Sometimes it's a mental rest. And as I said, sometimes it really just comes down to a rest for our soul. How is it that we can find that? And why is it if Jesus is offering that rest, and if God's promise is there of that rest is available to us, why is it we're having such a hard time entering in? And we pray and pray and pray, and we just wonder, well, why is it God you know, finally isn't fixing things. Why is it God isn't giving us the rest that we need? I think this passage sort of highlights uh, why that is, why we're in that situation of needing rest, God promising rest, but never really feeling like it's working out that way for us. Uh, the first thing that God says to Ezekiel that highlights what the real problem is, is he says to Ezekiel, look, I want you to go I'm going to tell you a bunch of things. I want you to, to speak to people and tell them something here. And he's about ready to tell them all these things. But he says, look, I just want you to understand when you go out and talk to people, no one's going to listen to you. Absolutely no one's going to listen because everyone is just stubborn and obstinate in the way that they view things and the way that we view things. No one's listening in other words, God's saying, no one's paying any attention to me. That's part of the problem. 
My rest is there. My promise is there. The way I'm caring for it, that's all there. It's all in place, but no one's paying any attention to me. No one cares about what I have to say. No one cares about what I'm doing. So whatever it is that you say to point this out to people, you just need to know no one's going to be listening. But I just want to do it anyways because I care about the people in Israel. I care about you guys. He cares about us. And he wants so badly for us to be able to enter into the rest that we have with Jesus. But in order to enter into that rest, the, the real problem is, is we just need to start listening. And it's not just listening or seeing. It's we need to start paying attention to what God's doing. Just give a little bit of attention and stop being so stubborn and obstinate to just Always just look at what we're doing, we're doing, we're doing, what this person is doing, what this person is doing, what this person is doing, what we could be doing, what we could be doing, what we should be doing, what this person should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, what this person shouldn't be doing. Just stop being so stubborn and obstinate and just seeing everything in terms of what we should or shouldn't be doing. And, and instead, just take a moment and start looking at what God is doing Look at what Jesus is doing. Try and figure out what Jesus is doing, what he's saying, what he's doing, what we can see, what we can hear. And if we, in other words, he's saying, this isn't just a promise that I'm giving that doesn't have any backing in reality. <laughs> he says, actual listening, actual seeing. In other words, there's things that I'm doing that you could look at. There's things that I'm saying that you could hear. It's real. In other words, Take an honest look at the world around us, and instead of just being so stubborn and obstinate to only see things in terms of human action, open up the possibility to just see, is there something that God is doing here? In the midst of everything that we're doing, is there something that God is doing, and is what God is doing whatever it is that we find beneficial or good. Now, when he starts this chapter off, the first thing he starts off is about the failure of leadership. He says, woe to you shepherds of Israel. That's just a term. It's not necessarily just a religious term. Shepherd sometimes is thought of as just a religious term in terms of the church. But at the end, he talks about David, who is a king. He's not just talking about church. He's talking about government. He's talking about leadership in church, leadership in family, just leadership in general in any way possible. It's failed. And here's why. He says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? The problem is, is whenever God gives any kind of leadership to anybody, it just completely fails because whoever he gives leadership to ends up just thinking, we just think about ourselves. If God gives us any amount of power, any amount of money, any amount of position, whoever it is that God gives that to, if there's any amount that God gives, whoever it is that he gives it to just completely blows it by just thinking about ourselves instead of thinking about the people that we should be serving and taking care of. And the failure of leadership, he says, just take an honest look. He's, I, don't take my word for it. Look out and see. It, has the leadership in the church failed? Absolutely. Has the leadership in, in America failed? Is politics a huge success? It's just a failure. 
And, and it's just like for this time, this year it was a fail. Last year it was good. Next year it's going to be great. But this year things have just failed. No, it's just this constant. We keep hoping that we're going to be able to fix things. We keep hoping that we're going to make things better. We keep hoping that, well, if I was in charge, then everything would be great. And then we're in charge and everything's just as bad, if not worse. He's saying, take an honest look at human leadership. And if you can't see that it's failing, then, you know, if you think it's a success, then you don't need Jesus. You don't need God's promise. You don't need God's interference. But if you take a look around us and we think, this is just a complete and utter failure, then that opens up. Well, let's look somewhere else. Where else could we look? He's saying, well, look and see if I'm here, if I'm doing things. Look and see if Jesus is active in the world around us. And here's some aspects of what it is he says to look for in terms of leadership. He says that he is going to take leadership, that that our leadership has failed. And he says, instead of hoping for our leadership to be a success, let's move on and just ask ourselves, is there another possibility? Is there a possibility that God exists? Is there a possibility that God cares about us? Is there a possibility that God is going to intervene in our lives and take charge and lead us in in a direction? Is there any indication that that we can have some sort of hope in that? And and he lists out a couple situations uh, where we make a choice, where we evaluate it and we look at a situation in a certain way, and the way that we view that situation, whether we listen or look or see God or whether we don't, we see ourselves, that this decision that we make in these situations is what determines whether or not we're going to have the rest that God is offering. Because if we look at these situations and we say, well, this is something that I did, it may seem like we'll be able to rest in that, but because of our failure, It'll always mean we're never resting. We're just constantly looking and yearning for rest, but we're just constantly stuck in this this burden of worry and worry and fear and fear and this sort of vicious circle. It's going to, that's what happens when we look at these two situations that he's going to talk about and we make the determination that, that we've Uh, the ones, it's human action that determines this. But if we look at it in these situations and we see, no, this wasn't human action that determined this, we failed, but God's actions work these things out, then what we will find is, as we grow in that faith uh, of God being in our lives, as we see God and we soften our hearts and we stop being so stubborn and obstinate to the idea of God being involved in, in our lives, that, that what we'll find is that there will be rest that's there, and we'll finally have the rest for our souls. Now, now, what's the two situations that he talks about? The first one, he says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them or care for them. I will care for them. And here's the first example. He says, as a shepherd looks out after his flock when he is with them, So I will look after or care for my sheep. I will rescue them or deliver them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. When it says day, it's often referring to a day, but it's not so much like a, the literal word is hotness. 
In other words, it's the, a term to describe that the sun is shining today. So what he's saying is the sun is actually shining. It's still shining. It's always been shining. But on this day, there's clouds, and some say gloom or whatever, but what, what it actually says is there's clouds and dark clouds. In other words, the sun is shining. It's there. The sun is doing its job. But that sun shining and giving us the day and the hotness of the day is being obscured because there's a cloud in the way, and not just a cloud. There's just dark clouds that's there. And he's obviously, it's an analogy. The darkness of clouds is an analogy to gloom. It's an analogy to there's just stuff going on in our life. God is caring for us. The sun is shining on us. Jesus is doing his job. But we're in a situation where it's being obscured because there's just this gloom, this darkness has to sort of descended upon us. And the word that he uses is he says, Jesus is just going to come in and snatch us out of that. And leadership should be doing that, but it's not. It's failed. But Jesus is going to come in and snatch us out. In other words, we're going to face these situations in our life. And the situation is not that God has failed to care for us or Jesus is not doing his job. God is doing his job. Jesus is doing his job. But we're facing a situation that's gloomy. That, that's just darkness has fallen us, that, that we're just in dread, we're in worry, we're in fear. And, and there's real things, that, that reasons why the, this storm is coming into our life, and there's real threat that's there. And the role of leadership is to come and snatch us out of that. Like when we're facing uh, all this stuff with the COVID crisis, the role of government is to come and save us from that. Uh, it's up to you to determine whether or not the government is doing that or not. But, but what Jesus is saying is, I will do that. And so we have to decide as we experience that salvation, experience that deliverance. He's saying, try and figure out, is this happening because of human institutions? Is it happening because of human leadership? Or is it a miracle that's going on? Uh, Andrew had just pointed that out. It, you know, Did this... You know, the car breaks down out in the middle of nowhere, and he's telling you, I feel like God just rescued us from that situation. He could make this situation say, yeah, we had planned, we had done this, and we did this, and we led things in this direction. And he could have phrased that whole thing in terms of that. And that would have given us some sort of sense of like, oh, we need to trust in and this thing. The result of that is just going to end in failure. But instead... Whether we listen or not, God wants us to talk about, well, what is it that he's doing in this? Damon brought up, you know, the scholarship. He could have very easily have said something in terms of like, well, we did this, we did that, we did this. But he wanted to make it really clear that whatever it is we did or didn't do, God's the one who made it happen. Jesus stepped in and made this happen. On these situations where we just feel like, Something has changed. We've been worried. We've been stressed. We've been seeing how things would go of any level, of any degree. And all of a sudden, we're snatched up out of that, and we experience that deliverance and that gift from God. He says, his encouragement is, listen, see, take some notice, look for, to see if it's me who stepped in, because if it is me, 
that has stepped in. And if this is an indicator that I'm in your life, that I care about you, that I care about you so much that I'm going to fix your car, that I care about you so much that I'm going to give you this scholarship and work things out, that if I care about you so much that I do this, then you can rest in that. Now, the next thing that he says, because the next thing that we think of is like, well, then what role does human action have then? And here's what he says. He says, I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will pasture, pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land, and I will tend them in a good pasture, and in the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land, and there they will lie down or rest in good grazing land, and there they will be fed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend the sheep and have them lie down or rest, he says, declares the sovereign Lord. He's bringing together a few aspects. One is he's just going to feed us. But he doesn't actually just say he's going to feed us. He brings out the analogy of sheep, that the job of the shepherd is to bring the sheep to a place where they can just sort of graze, where they can eat, a, a good pasture. In other words, a place where there's enough food for all the sheep to be able to eat whatever they want and to be able to go down and get some stuff to drink. He's saying that's the job of the shepherd, not the sheep. The job of the sheep is to just sit there and eat. So yes, do our, ma our works matter? Yes, they matter because when he brings us to a place where we can graze, our job is then to just graze, to take it, to just eat it, to just accept it. That's work, but it's not the kind of work that we're talking about. We think of the work as I need to go out and make this happen. I need to go. We don't have to go make anything happen. Jesus is lining everything up, giving us our job, giving us work to do, giving us things to do, and then we just sort of, our work is really to just graze on that, and the grazing means that they're sort of eating or taking in, the sheep are taking in what they need for that day. There are sustenance to be able to have, there's a large area there to be able to eat from, water to be able to drink from, and so their needs are pretty much met, but is all they have to do is just go out and eat and drink. In other words, just go out and accept or take what it is that they've brought them to. And, and there's work that's there and eating. I mean, sometimes you just eat so much that our jaw becomes tired even, and we have to rest from that or something like that. He's just saying, but that's a different type of work than what we're thinking in terms of work. And so what he's saying is, is that the job of leadership is to provide some sort of avenue for us to be able to have some sort of amount of work in a way that gives us sustenance or gives us some sort of stability for this day. In other words, the job of, of government, the job of leadership, isn't to provide us with something that at the end of the day, this isn't really going to meet our needs. At the end of the day, we're still going to have to go into debt to pay our medical bills. At the end of the day, if something goes wrong, we're still going to end up, we don't really have enough to even go month to month. That's failure of leadership. But what he's saying is, is Jesus is bringing us to a place where we have work that we can do. 
Uh, and that work, it's not just uh, nine to five work. You know, I've, uh, uh, you know, with uh, uh, the, the kids' family, we're sort of in this awkward place where we make enough money to have part of our family on Covered California, but we don't make enough money to have all of our family. So half of our family is on Medi-Cal, half of it is on Covered California. And, and they have like, I don't know how they work all that out, but problems come up in that all the time. And in order to get medical coverage, I've got to call and, and be on the phone to Medi-Cal, be on the phone, or worse yet, go down. And, and it just ends up taking all day long. But if I sit there and just think, this is, I should have, I took a day off from work, this should be my day of rest, I, I'm in trouble. But if I just sit there and sometimes I just have to mentally in my mind just think, this is the work that God's laid out for me. And so today, I'm going to work being on the phone, sitting on hold, and I'm going to take a day off from this other work, and I'm just going to spend a day on this work and whatever. This is the way God's worked it out. I'm just going to sit here and, and do that. It doesn't have to be as stressful as I make it out to be. <laughs> the work that God gives us, it's not just this nine-to-five type work. That's why there, there's all sorts of work that's going on. But if my trust is in, well, whatever the work is, God's going to bring me to that pasture. God's going to make sure that at the end of the day, everything is taken care of. And, and I've got some stuff that I need to fiddle around with, that I need to do, and I may or may not really like it, or this or that, that doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, he's promising that he's going to bring stability. He's going to take things out. Now, if I go into that work with this, this fear that like, unless this gets worked out, then, you know, everything in my life is going to collapse. And this, and there's that stress of like having to talk to him. There's, it's a very stressful thing. I'm never going to find rest. And so what he's saying is, is this, this trust that we have as we face situations that we need to be delivered from, as we face work in our lives, things that, that we are doing, but how we view that makes a difference because he is going to take care of us. He is going to deliver us. He is going to provide a stability in our life. And it may or may not look the way we want it to. He's going to talk about that in a minute. But he is doing that. But the reason why we can't rest in that doesn't have to do with God giving us more. He's going to talk about that next. It has to do with us just seeing what it is that God is doing. If we can see what Jesus is doing in our life, if we listen, if we hear, if we look out, if we see things, and not just you know, blindly say, oh, well, God did this. I mean, actually look at it and, and make the, the sort of empirical evaluation that, no, this is something that God has done. If we see that, then rest will come from it. As we're delivered, as we work, as we do things, if we see that the leadership of Jesus is bringing these things about. If we listen, we'll have rest. Now, the part of the reason why we don't listen, and one of the big problems, uh, one is we just are stubborn and obstinate into and saying that, no, we want to lead, and we don't want to accept the leadership of Jesus, and that's okay if we don't want to accept it, but then 
there's no promise of rest. The promise of rest is with us accepting the leadership of Jesus. He's going to lead. He's going to take care. But we're not going to be able to rest until we just rest and trust in Jesus. If we insist on just resting and trusting in our own actions and in our own leadership, then there's, I mean, we're just refusing to not eat, you might say, or just refusing to rest, even though rest is there for us. But the other problem is this. He says, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the, uh, one version says, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. The, the word, um, it's kind of nice that it puts sleek because this word, we, you know, is, is a little bit offensive. But, but, you know, sometimes the Bible's a little bit offensive. And the, the real word there is just, uh, but the, the fat and the strong I will destroy. <laughs> he says the fat and the strong. And, and you wonder, maybe part of it is, is we just don't see, well, what is fat and strong? That seems like two polar opposites. Is all you have to do is watch the World's Strongest Man competition to realize fat and strong go well together. But that, that's not really what it's talking about there. It's just talking about a situation where people have just been sort of, as we said, that the problem with leadership, we just care for ourselves. And when we're just so consumed with just caring for ourselves, that every time God gives us extra instead of, and puts us in that position of leadership, we have extra. We don't need to eat this extra sandwich. He gave us the extra sandwich to be able to share and have the joy of building a relationship with someone by sharing and by giving. But instead of having that joy of sharing and giving, we just eat it ourselves. Then that's what he's saying, that we're just getting fatter, 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 because every extra that God gives us, we just consume ourselves. And that we do it on the basis of we just feel like we need to be stronger, 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 because that's where this idea of a hope and a faith in human leadership drives us to, is a hope in human leadership becomes a hope in us being fatter and stronger than someone else. And he says, as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink on what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered, and I will judge between one sheep and another. He's saying part of the problem is I am delivering you. And I am giving you pasture. I mean, I am giving you work to be able to sustain, to have some stability. I'm that stability. I'm not giving it to the work, but I'm bringing you to that place to give stability. But part of the problem is we're just, just so 
consumed with human action that we just can't help but take everything that, that's there and instead of just eating what we need for the day, we just start pushing and shoving everyone else and just muddying and making a mess of everything because we're just in this quest to become the fattest, strongest sheep because we find some sort of rest in the idea that if we become the fattest and the strongest, then, then we'll finally have rest. And so we just ruin it for everybody. <laughs> And doing that. Now we're all drinking muddy water because of this battle that's going on between all of us of pushing and shoving. It's like, I know there's a stupid, and it's like, why, why you can't do anything on one platform, Google or Amazon or this, that. they're all fighting. It's like, why, why don't we just have one platform everyone can use or just be able to like borrow from this phone or that phone, but everyone's so proprietary. That's a bad analogy, but, but you get the idea. The problem is in our expectations. God's taking care of me. And you might say it just as not, he's given me a sandwich, but I feel like I need two. And because I feel like I need two, God hasn't done anything. You know, God's not caring for me. God's not rescuing. The only reason why we think that God's not rescuing us, the only reason why we think that God's not caring for us is because we only have one sandwich instead of two. But we only need one. <laughs> it's this expectation that we have, and we can't ever enter, enter into that rest unless God makes us fatter and stronger than everyone else. God doesn't need to make us fatter or stronger. That's not even healthy for us to be fatter or stronger. There's, there's nothing that that provides to just make everything all mucked up by us pushing and shoving to be the fattest and the strongest. But we're never going to find rest when we're locked into that. I know for one, one of the ways I tease Karen and it's, it's, it's it's bad, but like I just know that it bothers her, so I, I just tease her. So we'll do something like I'll say, oh, there's no milk in the refrigerator. And Karen will say, no, I just brought home like two gallons of milk. There's two gallons of milk there. And I'll say, no, there's no milk in the refrigerator there. You didn't do anything. There's no milk. And then she'll go, see, there's two gallons of milk. I said, oh, oh that says 2%. It's not whole milk. Oh, she gets super mad. Well, she has every right to, and I shouldn't be joking like that. But that's the way we are. It's like, well, unless it's all the fat, unless it's whole milk, there's no milk that's there. God's taking care of us. And that's not to say that we don't have real problems. That's not to say that we don't have some work in just coming to this thing and grazing and eating what we have. But a lot of the reason why we just can't see or won't accept what God gives is because we're just we're consumed with this idea of being fatter and stronger and we don't need to go there. And so we have these expectations of fatness and strength that really have nothing to do with our day-to-day -day life and really aren't healthy from us and really just create conflict between us and others. And God has good reasons to give us one sandwich instead of two. And when he gives us two he gives us two for the reason of being a leader and sharing them and taking care of someone else and having that joy and having that relationship that can build by that back and forth type thing. Why is it we don't enter into that rest? One is we take leadership for ourselves instead of seeing the failure of our leadership. We don't open our eyes 
to what it is that God's doing. When we open our eyes and we look at it, we make this evaluation. The second thing is that we need way more than what we actually need. And whenever we, since we think we need way more than what we actually need, whenever God gives us more, instead of using it in leadership capacity to be able to help someone else and have that joy of giving and sharing, we just gobble it up ourselves in our quest to be the fattest and the strongest. God is caring for us. God is taking care of us. But many times we don't see it because we have the wrong kind of expectations. Now here's the last thing. He says, I will place over them one shepherd. He just says one, my servant David, and he will tend them and he will tend them to be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. When he speaks of David, he's talking about the promise that's given to King David. Now when, if you remember, in 1 Samuel, when Israel first asked for a king, God said to them, well, when you asked for a king, uh, you're rejecting me from being king over you. And the reason why they gave for asking for the king is said, well, all the other countries, they have a king, and they have this stability in life, and they have their king comes and rescues them, and, you know, he has this army, and they trust in that, and that seems to be working out for them. And so we want to have that same process. We see that this process of having a king and him having an army, that process results in them being rescued and them having this stability in life. You see what was happening there? They were saying God was providing that for them. But they were saying, no, it's not God providing it, that it's in this mechanism of government, this mechanism, this way it gets worked out. And in their hearts, what they were saying, or in their mind, what they were thinking is, is we're not denying that God's king. We're just saying that we want God to work in the same way that God is working through these other countries, that there is this, this mechanism that we want God to save us through, this mechanism that we want God to work through, that we're not going to accept God in our life unless God is working through this, our human work, our human mechanisms, our human leadership. In other words, we want that God to not deal with us directly. We don't want to see it that way. We want to see God as working through all the things that we've set up. And this is one of the other reasons why we just can't ever find rest. Because we're not actually praying. Like, like let's say, I, I really need um, a football or something like that. Whoa. That's a bad analogy. But the things that we say we need often are not the thing that we need. They're just the way that we think it will come about. In other words, I need this relationship fixed at this job, and the way for that to happen is for my boss to get fired. And so we just pray for our boss to get fired, <laughs> or we feel bad about that, but in our mind, that's kind of what we're thinking. That's not the solution, <laughs> that God might do that. He may not do that. He doesn't have to be bound to that. <laughs> but we think of the solution that we think would make it. We just... Say, I need some help. I don't know how this is going to get fixed. 
God oftentimes fixes things, but he doesn't fix it the way we want it fixed. And so we don't ever see that it's fixed. We keep trying to take leadership back. And some of the ways that we take leadership back is by thinking that we need more than we actually do. That the, the problem is we would be able to handle leadership if we just had more power, if we just had more strength, if we just had a better position, if we were just able to be able to fix this and this, and get, if we were able to get this person elected, if we were able to get this boss or that boss, if we were able to do that, then we would be able to lead things in a good direction. We're never going to be able to lead things in a good direction. But God does. Jesus does. We think if I just have a little bit more, a little bit more cash, a little bit more this, a little bit more food, if I can just have double this or triple this, then things. That's not what we need. All we need is for Jesus to be our shepherd. And Jesus has whatever he needs, and he'll use whatever he needs. Well, I just need this and this and this to happen because if this and this and this happens, then I'll be rescued. This and this doesn't need to happen. Jesus can rescue us however Jesus wants to rescue us. He doesn't need a government to rescue us. We think, well, we, you know, God works through government. God works through government whenever God wants to work through government. And if God doesn't want to work through government, he doesn't work through government. That's what we saw with Esther. He worked through what was considered to be lawlessness. But it wasn't lawlessness. It was just someone made a law that said, bow down and worship me. And Mordecai said, no, I'm not going to do that. But God doesn't, that's not a law to God. God can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, with whoever he wants to do it with. That's the only law. The law is whatever God desires. God's never lawless because God does whatever he desires. But God is always lawless to our laws because God isn't just like a puppet that we just tell and it has to conform to our little boxes and our laws and our systems and the way that we think things need to happen. God doesn't have to conform to any of that. God can't be contained in any of that. And the rest that we want is a rest that comes from this desire that we have for God to conform to us. That's never going to bring us rest because we're always going to fail. The rest that Jesus is offering. The rest that Jesus is giving is coming from us understanding, just accepting whatever work it is that he puts there, whatever rescue he gives, whatever it is that God works out for us in whatever way God wants to work it out. And, and, and just eat what we have, share what we can share, but we don't need to be pushing and shoving that we're never going to find rest, any of that. Rest comes as we look at these situations in our life and we look for what it is that God's doing. And as we see what it is that God's doing, that helps to soften our heart. As we see that God's giving it to us according to his graciousness, that even though we failed, he's still offering us salvation. He's still offering to rescue us. He's still offering to give us some sort of stability in life. In this case of Israel, even though they've completely and utterly failed, he's still offering that to them. He's still saying, I'm still with you. 
And as we look at God and we see that, we can rest in that. And then we get led astray by the world and thinking that, you know, we need to be fat. So don't get led astray. We'll get led astray, but he'll bring us back to Jesus. We'll have these expectations that we, you know, it needs to be done this way. That'll lead us astray. He'll bring us back. But what he's bringing us back to is this message, Jesus, that God loves us, that God cares for us, and that Jesus is going to save us. Jesus is going to provide us stability. And it's not at all dependent on us getting anything right. He's doing it on the basis of his love and his forgiveness for us. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we just uh, thank you so much for all that you do in our life. And I pray that you would open our eyes uh, this week to see, open our ears to hear, to listen. Help us to see the ways that you're saving us each day, the ways that you're giving us stability each day, and help us to be able to enter into your rest. We love you, and we thank you for all that you do. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.